We thank you that you have kept us from danger, seen and unseen. We thank you that your spirit has been a wall about us. We thank you, Lord God, for your many kindnesses that have been shown to us. Today, Lord God, we come in absolute and abstract gratitude. Just thanking you for who you are and for what you've done. And for what you're doing right now in our lives. Who are we that you are mindful of us? leadership impartation. Lord, give us grace. Give us wisdom. Give us understanding of how to lead in a way that brings forth your glory. Give us wisdom. Develop us in leadership acumen. Strengthen our ability to, to set the tone and the example and the pace for the body of Christ. Father, be mindful of us today in our time of impartation. We look for that wisdom that comes from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness, nor shadow of turning. Be magnified in and through this leadership team. In Jesus' name, amen. Somebody give the Lord thanks and praise if you would. Oh, hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 16, your Bible. So good to see you all this morning. Oh my God. For this time of leadership impartation. Amen. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. We honor the Lord. Thank God for Prophet Jason getting here earlier and for LIT. We thank God for his faithful and consistent leadership. For those testimonies I heard as I was coming in. Amen. Uh, our, our, our time of impartation today, for those who are taking note, 12 laws of weatherproof leadership. <laughs> 12 laws of weatherproof leadership. Amen. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 is where we're going to open up. It says in verse 19, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure. Somebody shout firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Amen. Like never before, there is a need for durability in leadership. Come on, look at somebody tell them we need durable leaders. One of the things the Lord told me, even as we were dealing with the pandemic, is that people in crisis need consistency from leadership. Amen. Leadership gives people the courage to make transition in crisis. So people in crisis need consistent, if you're taking notes, consistent, capable, and courageous leaders. Say consistent, consistent. capable, and courageous. Now, courage does not mean that there is no fear. It means you do it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> courage doesn't mean that 
you're not feeling a bit of apprehension, somebody shout, I do it anyway. Courage that doesn't mean that you're not concerned deeply about the possible ramifications of your actions. It just means somebody shout, I do it anyway. So in order for us to weather any storm, we must develop three things as leaders. We must develop discipline, character, and refined behavior. Discipline, character, and refined behavior. Now, when I say discipline, the thing that the Lord is suggesting to us is that we need to come into greater self-governance. Say, I need to come into greater self-governance. You know, if we're going to be weatherproof in our leadership, then one of the things that we will have to come into is the rulership of the flesh. Oh, hello, somebody. Look, somebody tell them, the flesh will not rule me. Amen. I tell the flesh what to do through the power of the spirit. But the flesh does not rule me. Say it again. The flesh does not rule me. You know, there's a scripture that says you're not even in the flesh. Tell somebody you're in the spirit. Which means that you and I are not now subjected to a completely new domain. The domain of the spirit. Y'all got that? The domain of the spirit. So we got to come into greater self-governance. Now, don't wait until a storm to get yourself under control. Oh, God help me. Matter of fact, if you don't develop self-control before the storm, you'll realize how out of control you were in the storm. Amen. So discipline is something that we should develop now. Say, I need to be more disciplined. Now, why? Because there are some things coming that we could never plan for. There are things coming. Y'all know that you don't get a break from leadership, right? Oh, God. Hello. Once you put your hands on the plow of leadership. Oh, my God. You don't get, tell somebody, you don't get a break from leadership. Look, somebody tell them, somebody's watching you to figure out what to do in the midst of a storm. You don't get a break from leadership. Now, I had somebody that, that uh, <laughs> they asked me, they said, Apostle, can I start coming to your leadership training? I said, are you ready for extra scrutiny of your life? They said, never mind. You don't get a break. You, you can't take a day off from leadership. Amen? You can't take a day off from leadership. There is no break from leadership. So we have to come into greater discipline, self-governance, learn to rule the flesh and not be ruled by the flesh. We have to also become more developed in our character. Say character. character. Which suggests that we have to come into greater moral quality. Now, character speaks of our moral, our moral quality. You know, I, I know I've taught this before, but let's see if y'all are good class or not. <laughs> y'all remember I taught that you can't, character is not developed by osmosis. It is actually developed by what? Somebody say trials and tribulations. I've seen some people get hardened by trials and tribulations. Anybody ever seen people get worse because of what they gone through? Because the trouble you go through does not necessarily denote that you're going to be developing character. What is character developed by? Huh? 
What'd you say? Uh, Melvina, what'd you say? Processes. What'd you say, Jolene? Up close relationships. All right. So, so are there people in relationship with you who have not gotten better in character? Yeah. So not necessarily. Right. So now I'm gonna, I want you to write this down if you're taking note because character, you cannot get character in a prayer line by getting somebody of character to lay hands on you. Hello, somebody. Character is developed by the, as the individual owns principle. See, when you take ownership, for example, right? Uh, if you think about principles that we live by, principles that govern our lifestyle, principles that govern what comes out of our mouth, like uh, 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 he that repeated the matter separates close friends. So we determined that we're not going to be a gossip and somebody that goes around maligning other people no matter what they do. Now you are deemed, if you own that principle and live by it, you are deemed to be a person of what? Character. Y'all got that? So character is the derivative of owning principle and practicing it personally by conviction. Y'all got that? Character is a derivative of owning principle and practicing it personally. Somebody shout by conviction. Now what do you mean by that? that what, what that means is this. Character is something that we continue to develop over time. Why? By as we're continually exposed to more and more principle and own them. Say own them. Meaning, I, I'm not just a hearer of this principle, but I choose this principle as my manner of life. Oh my God. Then people who watching your life say that is a person of what? But they can only say that because they see you are tethered to something that won't change. Y'all did not hear what I just said. They can only say that because they see that you're tethered to something that has nothing to do with how you feel. Hello, somebody. Say principle is principle. Y'all got that? So principle is what produces. When we own principle, amen, and espouse it by conviction, all right, then we are becoming developed as people of character. So in order to weather any storm, we must develop discipline, character, and then, of course, we have to come into a place of refined behaviors. What do you mean by that? The way I conduct myself. The way I conduct myself. Now, what that means is this. I cannot have duplicity where I conduct myself a certain way around certain people. Oh, hello, somebody. And then another way around other people. Listen, somebody tell them, that is double-mindedness. If you got two lives, you got two minds. And so we've got to make sure, if we're going to develop in, le in weatherproof leadership, we've got to make sure. Look, somebody tell them, what you see is what you get. Tell somebody, my lifestyle is my lifestyle no matter where you find me. Look, somebody tell them, my lifestyle is holy on vacation. Anytime, anytime, anytime you use sin to have fun, you're corrupted. All right. Anytime you, anytime you call sin how you have fun and let your hair down, you're corrupted. Oh, God, help me. Y'all got that? You know, I recently went to a, an engagement, and I, uh, there I was offered wine because everybody was drinking wine, except me. 
I'm like, I don't drink wine at my house. Why would I drink wine with you? No, I'm not, I'm not judging you. I'm just not joining you. Hello, tell somebody, I'm not judging you. I'm, not, I'm just not. Why? Because my life is governed by certain standards that don't change with the crowd I'm around. Oh, hello, somebody. I said, somebody shout, my life is governed by a standard. Somebody shout, I am a person of principle. Y'all got that? Now, to the observer, I have what? Character. Character is something you are accused of. Y'all did not hear what I said. Hello, somebody. Character is something. Character and humility are two things that other people notice about you. Y'all got that? Should notice about you. But that means that you have a standard. Say, I have a standard no matter what squad I'm with, no matter what crowd I'm in. Y'all got that? Now, you see it, and I'm going to talk about this, but in order to have character no matter where you are, you got to do something with your soul. Hello, somebody. You have to have a soul that don't need to fit in. Hello? Because if you need to fit in, if you got the fear of missing out, then you'll compromise your standards. And once you compromise them, you demonstrate they were never really your standards. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. Tell somebody, those might have been your pastor's standards. But you never know until you get away from your pastor. All right. So to weather any storm, we must become more developed in discipline. Say, I have to be more disciplined. Say, I must develop character, and I must refine my behavior. Now let me give you these keys to uh, becoming a weatherproof leader. First one we already read, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. So we have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Say, my soul has an anchor. Now... It, watch this now. So the first key we must it, uh, 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 align with is we got to become 100% anchored to the rock. Oh, my God, help me. Somebody shout 100. 100% anchored to the rock. Now, think about how important an anchor is in a storm. Y'all hear what I just said. One of the first things that an anchor will keep you from doing in a storm is drifting off course. Y'all did not hear what I said. Tell somebody, there's no possibility you're going to drift off course when you are anchored in the storm. Y'all got that? You're able to remain exactly where you need to be until that storm passes. Y'all got that? Somebody shout, because I'm anchored. Now, that uh, anchor also keeps me firm in storms. It keeps me from crashing and falling apart. Y'all got that? So one of the first things that we must be developed in if we're going to, if we're going to grow in weatherproof leadership, we must be 100% anchored in the rock. What do you mean by that? No, here it is. Y'all ready for the principle? Nothing else is secure. Y'all did not hear what I just said. Nothing. Listen, I live my life like this. Nothing else is secure. There is no job security. There is no relational security. There is no social security. There is only the security of knowing that you are anchored in Christ and aligned with his will. Y'all got that? Anybody else figured out nothing else is really secure? As the old folks said, keep on living, baby. And you're going to figure out that the stuff you thought was secure was just as fragile as fragile rock. Number two, 
in order to become weatherproof in your leadership, write this down, I must lose my need to control. Oh, God, help me. Which means I have to place a premium on hearing and being led by the Spirit of God. Romans 8.14, y'all know it. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So notice the emphasis of our lives has to be upon understanding. Say understanding. Why? The reason that I need to hear God and be led is because I need to understand what the will of the Lord is. Ephesians says, be not unwise, but what? Understand what the will of the Lord is. Say it with me. I don't need to control. I need to understand. Watch it now. God may not, God may not be interested in getting me out of the storm. Of my prayer. He did, but you don't like the answer. Yeah. Y'all ain't never prayed. You trying to get out of something. God's like, I am refining you through this. And do I have any witnesses in the house that God is not immediately interested in your comfort? Do I have anybody in the house that has been through a perfectly painful, ordained process? Oh my God, those words shouldn't even be in the same sentence together. Say perfectly painful, ordained process. Come on, say it again. Forget, man, going through chaos in, uh, in three arenas of my life. People at home tripping. Yeah. People at work tripping. Yeah. People at church tripping. Yeah. And you know what the Lord said? I am chipping rough edges. Oh, this is about me. You chipping rough edges off of me? So you're not even concerned about their behavior? You know what it's saying? Not right now. I'm using it. Hello, somebody. Listen to me. It ain't fair. But it's the tool he's using. You know, think about this, right? We just, there's no praise team here. There's no drums. There's no, right? And as we begin worshiping, the Spirit of God just, ooh, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It takes pain. It takes pain to manifest the glory of God. But now here's the beauty of it. 
Now I ain't, I ain't moved by nobody. Tell somebody, nobody and nothing. Now here's why, because I didn't bail out of a perfectly painful ordained process. Say, I didn't bail out of a perfectly painful ordained process. Y'all got that? Everybody else can divorce their process, not me. Hello. Everybody else can take their degree and just go to another job, not me. Everybody else can just snatch their membership and run to another church, not me. Y'all got that? Because it was a perfectly painful, ordained process. So number two, and I'm going to reiterate, I have to lose my need to control. Now, you cannot lose your need to control without addressing what you fear. Oh, God help me. Y'all got that? That's why people try so hard to control things. Because what's at the root of that is a fear they have never faced. Now, you cannot face a fear without admitting yours or someone else's lie. Y'all got that? So some people control, listen, they control because they fear. They fear because of a lie. They avoid the lie because they don't want to go through the pain of deliverance from the lie or the problem that exposed in the lie is going to bring the people they love. Y'all got that? But I got to lose my need to control. If I want to become weatherproof of my leadership, I got to realize I'm not in control. Number three, and this is huge. I've got to eradicate all volatility from my soul. My God, I just said a word to you. I must eradicate all volatility. Tell somebody, anything that shakes you, got to leave your life. Anything that, anything that can disturb you has to be dealt with. Y'all got that? Anything that could quickly cause you to switch out on what you promised God, it's got to be dealt with. Y'all got that? I got to deal, I got to do the extensive and the intensive work to stabilize the, the disposition of my soul. Intensive work. Y'all got that? Now, here's the thing. This is not work you should be doing in a storm. Listen, somebody tell them, the stuff you need to work on, you need to work on before anybody even forecasts a storm. Hello, somebody. Matter of fact, that's the work you should be doing while other people plan. Tell my something, you shouldn't be praying. You should be working on the soul work, doing the intensive work of developing your soul in lieu of a storm. My pastor used to say it like this. You either in a storm, just came out of a storm, about to go through a storm. Isn't that right? So there is intensive work. Say intensive work. Work of a depth that must be done in my soul in lieu of, watch this, whatever, whatever it is. Watch this. I don't need to be, say, I don't need to be in control. I don't need to be in control. I need to be ready. I don't need to be in control of anything. I need to be prepared. Y'all got that? So that means that I've got to do the intensive work to stabilize my soul and the disposition of my soul. First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, 
and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what does that intentional preemptive work look like? Resolving trauma. Hello. Unresolved trauma shows up and shows out in trouble. Y'all got that? I'm going to say that again. Unresolved trauma shows up and shows out in trouble. Y'all got that? You ever seen somebody manifest in 20 reaction to a number two problem? Tell somebody it ain't the problem. It's the unresolved trauma. Y'all hear what I just said? A two issue should not have a 20 reaction. Say it with me. If my reaction don't match the issue, there's another force pushing me to react that way. You know what that force is? Unresolved issues. That make sense? We got to make sure that we deal with all double-mindedness. That's another part of eradicating volatility in the soul. Y'all got that? You can't have this thought, God is for me and hates me going on at the same time. Hello, somebody. He wants me to live and wants me to die too. Tell somebody, both of those thoughts can't live in the same mind without harassing the bearer thereof. You got to come into a place of inner peace. Say inner peace. Now, the Bible tells me very clearly about inner peace. Perfect peace. Come on. How they, who's what? Are what? Stay on him. Stay on him. Is that true or true? Perfect peace have they whose minds are stayed on him. What do you mean by that? My soul is anchored in some quality in him. Oh, my God, help me. My soul is anchored in some quality in him. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. My soul is anchored in some quality in him. Y'all see that? So it doesn't matter what's going on around me. I've locked into something God has said about himself. Y'all did not hear what I just said. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. I have locked in to something God has said about himself or something God has said about me in conjunction with himself. Here's one of them. The Lord reserved the righteous for himself. Y'all got that? Somebody shout out, I'm on reserve. Here's number four. If we're going to develop weatherproof leadership, we have to develop the ability to assess a situation accurately. Y'all got that? Now, you cannot assess properly if you put a priority on emotionalism. Oh, God help me. If you react emotionally before you assess, you are not wise. Either you're not wise or you're not mature. Y'all got that? Your first reaction should be introspection, not emotionalism. Tell somebody, look within and stop showing out. Come on, tell somebody, look within and stop showing out. You put more premium on showing out than looking in. And what that's a reflective of is immaturity or just a person, you either unwise or immature. Y'all got that? 
So we got to develop the ability to assess a situation accurately. Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings to search out a matter. Y'all got that? So we got to develop the ability to assess the situation accurately. Now, you cannot assess any situation accurately if you're not open to intel that doesn't agree with your narratives. Y'all hear what I just said? You cannot assess any situation accurately if you're not open to information that's not in agreement with your narrative. Y'all got that? Because there's some of us that are more locked into what we think or how we feel about something, and it doesn't matter what the truth actually is, I am committed to my feelings about it more than I am the facts surrounding it. Tell somebody, that ain't weatherproof. Look at somebody and tell them, that's the crack that will take you down in a storm. Why? Because you'll act on your feelings and you'll ignore the facts. Y'all got that? You'll act out in your feelings and you won't even be open for information that's not in agreement with them. Y'all see that? There's nothing wrong with emotions. Tell somebody, we all have them. But they should not be the Lord of your life. They should not be the governor. They should not be the governing capacity and component of your life. We all have emotions. Y'all got that? But there is no need for emotionalism. Y'all got that, believers? As a matter of fact, most emotionalism is rooted in the fear. This is how I keep y'all up off of me. Oh, God help me. What is it? Tell somebody, the fear of abuse. The fear of abuse. So I'm going to fight you even if you're trying to be friendly with me because I know you eventually want to fight me. Y'all, I'm going to say it again. I'm going to fight you even if you're trying to be friendly with me because I know eventually you're going to fight me. Why? Because I'm fighting myself. Why wouldn't you fight me when I'm at war with me? Tell somebody, people who are always at war with themselves cannot enjoy peacetime with you. They always got to have something. Tell somebody, you want to be starting something. You got to be starting something. All the time. Peace is uncomfortable to you. Because there's a war going on inside. You can't even be nice for a whole week. Why? Because there's a war going on on the inside of you. And then when a storm shows up, you're the first person can't handle it. You know, I was, I was mentoring a young man yesterday. And he was telling me about how much stress is in his life, right? A wealthy guy that I'm mentoring this wealthy guy. Y'all know, wealthy people are the worst, right? But anyway, that's another story. So I mentioned this guy. He told me all his problems and such and such and such, right? All the issues he's facing. And so I, <laughs> I said, brother, we all got stuff going on. And I started describing my day to him. He's like sitting up like, he got all that to do? I'm like, yeah. You dealing with all? Yeah. I said, I said, the stuff is the stuff. I said, what matters is the condition of the person going to do the stuff. 
He said, well, Apostle, how do you deal with all the stress in your life? I said, ain't no stress in my life. What? He said, what? How can you live life without stress? I said, my life is not structured for stress. My life is not structured for stress. It's structured for success. Now, so say it doesn't matter what the issues are. What matters is the condition of the person dealing with the issues. Come on, tell somebody, what matters is the condition of the person dealing with the issues. Come on, what matters is the condition of the person dealing with the issue. Y'all got that? Look at somebody and tell them there's a flood coming. You got one question to answer. Are you buoyant? No cracks, you ain't got no problem. The whole world was in trouble in Noah's day. But there's one reason Noah wasn't in trouble because he was born. stress in your life. I said it ain't in there. Because my life is not structured for stress. It's structured for success. Y'all got that? He said, well, tell me practically what that looks like. I said, show me your schedule. Oh, I see the problem. Your schedule don't start with God. Hello? Your schedule should never start with man. Y'all did not hear what I just tell you. Look somebody ask them, who is at the top of your day? Come on, ask somebody, who? How? Who's the head of your day? Whoever's the head of your day is the head of your life. People on social media, the head of your day. And you know what that makes them? The head of your life. Tell somebody, your day is your life. What if I told you yesterday don't exist and tomorrow's not promised? All you got is today. So that's why every day you got to decide who's going to be the head of your life by deciding who's going to be the head of your day. So I looked at this guy's schedule. I said, oh, I see the problem. You don't start your day with God. I said, aren't you a believer? Absolutely. Your schedule don't look like it. So I began to talk to him about how I start the day in devotion. I'm with God first. I want to hear God first. I'm in his word. I'm in prayer. I'm in listening to his voice, writing down the things that he's saying. Then after that, I deal with my soul. Tell somebody, deal with your soul. Now, God will show you what's in your soul, then you got to deal with your soul. I said, God will show you what's in your soul, but you got to deal with your soul. God will show you the work, but God won't do the work. Y'all hear what I said? Tell somebody, God will show you the work. He don't never lie to you. He just ain't going to change you apart from your will to be changed. God will show you the work, but then you got to do the work. Y'all did not hear what I said. Faith is God talking to you and you hearing, but then faith without works is dead. Just because God show you what you need to work on don't mean you're actually working on it. Said the Lord already showed me that. Are you actually doing the work? It doesn't matter what he showed you if you're not actually doing the work to bring about change in your mind and soul. Second part of my day, and then I talk, start talking to him about 
the the uh, the the psychiatrist, the psychologist. I had just listened to that savvy psychiatrist. I just listened to that day, and I was talking about the points of what what we went through, and then from there to my workout, and then from there to assessing my strategy and my plans, and then from there to dealing with people. Y'all got that? So now at this point, it doesn't matter. And I told him, it from here, it doesn't matter what happens today already. So spiritual, it starts with devotion. It's prayer, it's worship, hearing God, right, taking notes, journaling what God is saying. Y'all got that? Second part of my day after that is dealing with my soul. Okay? And not prophecy. Psychology. Hello. Hello. Not prophecy. Psychology. I'm I am an emotional being. And everything moving requires maintenance. That means your soul needs maintenance. Y'all got that, believers? Yes. The, the, anything that don't get maintenance that needs it, what does it eventually do? Yes. Some of you don't know you need a break until you break. Practice, make it a discipline of tending to the condition of your soul. This is a part of my daily life of assessing and dealing with the condition of my soul. Y'all got that? We know we are sentient beings. We have the ability to think about how we think. That's what makes us what we are. Is that we, unlike apes and cows, we can think about how we think and assess if it's healthy or not. I'm going to stop right here. If you're unhealthy, it's your own fault for not assessing how you're processing information. Because you were created to be able to think about how you're thinking and assess whether it's healthy for you or not. Y'all got that, believers? And you should be doing that. Somebody shout, that's normal. That is normal. It's, it's healthy to assess your thought. Now, and I told this young man yesterday, every thought comes to mind comes with an agenda. So here's how you should assess your thoughts and then deal with them. You should ask of your thoughts, what is the agenda of this thought? And they told me how they were thinking about, you know, they failed at this and failed at that. I said, well, it sounds like the thief is trying to steal, kill, and destroy. Because any thought that makes you focus on your failures is trying to undermine your resolve to make progress. Any thought that causes you to think about your failures, failures is trying to undermine your resolve to make decisions so that you can make progress. Tell somebody, those thoughts are demonic. That's not humility. It is arrogance. It's, that's not humility. I'm just thinking about, thinking about your failures don't make you humble. And normally, people brag about where they're stuck. I'm the first one to admit when I'm wrong. Yeah, but what are you doing about what got you in that position? Oh, come on, somebody. Tell somebody, that is not humility. That's a distraction from the work that needs to be done to make sure you don't repeat the same patterns. Y'all got that? I'm the first one to admit when I'm wrong. Yeah, but you keep doing the same dumb stuff. And that tells you you're not doing the work. You can admit it, but you don't know how to quit it. Y'all got that? You know, we're going to be shocked when, when we realize that some people we thought were in pride were actually in a proper assessment of themselves. And some people we thought were in humility were actually offending God with their arrogance. 
Y'all got that, believers? So we got to develop the ability to assess the situation accurately. Here's number five. We need to lose the proclivity of becoming overwhelmed with the details. That's what he's here to do. That's why I'm here. Tell somebody, quit it. We have to lose the proclivity of becoming overwhelmed with the details. Y'all got that? We're going to develop weatherproof leadership. We got to hear. How do I do that? We've got to quit overthinking things. Hello. Quit overthinking things. Y'all got that? Tell somebody, think the necessary thought. Cast down all the other ones. Oh, my God. Normally, the necessary thought is singular. Why? Because the necessary thought is singular in order for you to achieve something called focus. Everything that wants to take up space in your mind don't actually demand, deserve your attention. Y'all got that? So quit overthinking things. Wait, well, how do I do that? Think only the necessary thought. How does this thought match the action I must take to actually deal with the issue? And if the thought doesn't match the action necessary to take to deal with the issue, cast it down. Why? It's a distraction from progress. This is why some of us, you know what? The worst person, man, is those that always, we haven't resolved any of our issues. None of your internal issues have ever been resolved. You can't come to resolve with somebody else if you haven't even come to resolve with you. Some of us, you don't even know how to be resolved. So you're complaining about a quality that we don't have that you never had. That means that if we're going to, watch it now, if we are going to be resolved, I have to be resolved. Tells me it's an inside job. Resolution is never corporate. It's always personal. It affects the corporate when resolved people could connect to it. Y'all got that, believers? It ain't a corporate thing. So we got to quit overthinking. Tell somebody, quit overthinking things. Come on, tell somebody else, quit overthinking things. Y'all got that? You got more plans than God got about the situation. Fear will cause you to overthink. The second thing that we need to do to learn to lose this proclivity of becoming overwhelmed is quit catastrophizing everything. Quit catastrophe. Hello. Not everything is a tragedy that is happening in your life. Quit catastrophizing things. Quit making things worse than they actually are. Hello. What's going on? What's going on? Everything. No, it ain't. No, it ain't. You want to make it everything to avoid dealing with one thing that is painful to deal with. Hello. You want to throw out the baby with the bath water because you don't want to deal with the dirt. Y'all got that? Quit catastrophizing. All right? Another reason that we become overwhelmed with the details is you lack prioritization skills. Pretty simple. How do I quit? How do I quit overthinking things? You ask of your soul, what is my one priority now? Somebody shout now. now. Somebody shout now. now. You know what? Many of us, we got everything except now. Some of us are everywhere except in the present moment. And the problem with that, 
is that the thing that demands your complete attention and energy is the present moment. Tell somebody, you got to come current. Come on, tell somebody, you got to come current. Y'all got that? You got to come current. Make sense to you? All right, let's see where we're at here. Oh, we good. All right, we good. Here's number six. If you're going to develop weatherproof leadership, you got to cultivate a lifestyle of preparation. Write this down. A lifestyle of preparation. Tell somebody, preparation is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. A lifestyle of preparation. Y'all got that? How do I do that? Ongoing personal development. Ongoing personal development. Y'all got that? Listen to me, believers. As leaders, you should always be improving yourself. You should all, ev listen, everything about the way you live your, right, your life right now is you should be going through your life with a fine-tooth comb and finding everything and anything that could undermine your well-being. Y'all did, did not hear what I just said. If there's anything going on in your heart, your spiritual life, your physical life, you, your job is to find it and kill it. Proactively. Somebody shout proactively. proactively. Now, why are some people so reactionary? And it's because they haven't developed the discipline of being what? Proactive. You're either going to be proactive or you're going to be what? Come and ask somebody, where are you going to live your life? You're either going to be proactive or you're going to be reactive. You know what I notice about reactive people? It's almost always too late and almost always too much. Y'all got that? So we need to learn how to live a lifestyle of preparation. And that looks like ongoing personal development. Now, what does that look like from a leadership standpoint? Right? What information are you subjecting your mind to today? That you did not know yesterday. Ask somebody, who's teaching you what? Hello? Hello? Who's teaching you what? Now, why is that important? You, it, to always be the teacher is not wise. And when it comes to storms, it's not sustainable. So you got to position yourself to be the one being educated, informed, and instructed. Y'all got that? You're ongoing personal development. Here's the second part of cultivating a lifestyle of preparation. Look at somebody tell them, live free of your comfort zones. Hello, wherever your comfort zone is, you should be living somewhere else. Oh, God, help me. Now, what does that actually look like? Embrace discomfort. Embrace discomfort. Y'all got that? You know, it's sort of like when you're working out. I worked out with people, they're like, this hurt. I'm like, good, it's working. <laughs> Hello, if it ain't stretching you, it ain't working. Y'all got that? You don't have some soreness, it ain't working. Does that make sense? So we got to make sure that we have ongoing personal development, that we live free of our comfort zones, and that we, listen to this, embrace discomfort. Embrace, my God. Embrace discomfort. Discomfort is the evidence you're growing. Oh, man. You know, you ought to have information coming into your life that's making you rethink what you thought you knew. Oh, come on. I'm, 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 I'm learning what I thought I knew. Look at somebody tell me, I'm learning what I thought I knew. 
That's how you know you're growing. Y'all got that? All right. Here's number seven. Laws of weatherproof leadership. You want to be the person that is setting the trend and blazing the trail. Okay? Tell somebody, get out ahead of things. Why? We want to remain innovative and forward thinking. See, and that's what makes you weatherproof, right? Is that you're innovative, that you're forward thinking, that you're getting ahead of curves. You tell somebody, get ahead of the storm. Oh my God. Change is coming. You know why? I said this before when we were dealing with the uh, initial ramifications of the pandemic, right? Disruption. Say disruption. Disruption, disruption is always necessary where ideologies differ, right? God's got something in mind. We got something in mind, and they ain't the same things in mind. You know what God said? All right, I warned you once, I warned you twice. Now disruption comes to get our mind in agreement with God's mind. Y'all got that? So we need to make sure that we stay in that trend-setting, trailblazing, stretching in the new arenas type of mode because that's part of weatherproof leadership. Weatherproof leaders don't need anything to be comfortable. They need everything to be current. Hello? Say, I don't need it to be comfortable. I need it to be current. What does that look like? Am I doing what God wants now? Am I meeting the current needs? Am I in the flow of what God wants to be done in this season and in this generation? Number eight, lose the love affair with dead stuff. Hello? Look at somebody and tell them, let the things die that need to die. Come on, tell somebody, let the things die that need to die. Y'all got that? You realize that one of the things that a storm does, y'all realize God intended a storm to be a blessing? In, in the way that it's supposed to remove dead stuff that really couldn't be moved any other way? Hello, somebody. Which means the storm is always preparation for new growth. Write that down. The storm is always preparation for new growth. Whenever you go through a storm, you ought to be happy because that means that there's new growth. That means there's a new harvest that's coming. Y'all got that? Here's number nine. Develop eagerness for the new. Oh, my God. You know, one of the things, we talked about this in, the, in one of the first principles, and that is that consistent leadership, weather, weatherproof leadership requires courage, right? You will not be courageous if you ever fear losing what was. Oh. Somebody shout, I'm ready for the new thing. Now, you know what I've learned about walking with God, okay? And this is why a lot of us go through stuff unnecessarily. If you don't do what you should do, when you should do it, you're going to be forced to do it when you don't want to do it, and when it comes at great cost to do it. Hello? Don't, 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 don't make a storm make you do what the Holy Spirit already been leading you to do. Y'all got that? Sometimes a storm is what it takes because God, like, I've been telling you to change that. I've been telling you to leave that. Think, you know what? Think about this. I want y'all to think about this for a moment, okay? During the pandemic, a half million people started their own businesses. Now, you know why they did? Because what they were doing suddenly, 
stopped. So they went out and do it. They went out and did what they always wanted to do. Y'all got that? So when you go to the, you know, you go to these places, you see people shorthanded, right? That's because of entrepreneurship. People that would have been working for somebody else are now working for themselves. Now, you know what it took to create those entrepreneurs? It took disruption. It took disruption. Why is this now? Disruption is only necessary when you don't move by discernment. Y'all hear what I just said? Disruption is only necessary when you don't move by discernment. Anybody ever hear something? God's like, God been telling me to go ahead and make this change. Y'all understand that? You know, I know I've given this story before, but I'm somebody granddaddy now, so I'll repeat myself. God told me to leave my job in 2003 and come into full-time ministry. At that time, I was already debt-free, already making six figures, about to be making six figures on top of that as the district leader of the company. But God spoke to me on a Saturday to leave that and come, and he said, this is what he said. Somebody shout, from now on. From now. now, once God give you a from now on, <laughs> there's been a line of distinction and demarcation that has been drawn in the realm of the spirit. God ain't going to make you cross over. God will make sure you know you should have crossed over. God spoke to me on a Saturday to leave my job, my comfortable job with my comfortable income. Y'all got that? That Monday, I went to work and gave my notice. Hello. Abraham got up early to go do what God said. Tell somebody, move with the quickness. Hello. You know, good and well, you hear God. Now, you hear God about everything else. God told you what color shirt to put on. God told you what street to drive down. Now, God tells you to make an extraordinary sacrifice, and you need confirmation. Tell somebody, you hear God about everything. Y'all got that? So God told me, leave. God said, God said, leave. God said, he said, this trajectory they got you, he said, that is not my plan for your life. Y'all got that? That was a Saturday. I went to work that Monday and gave my notice. I said, y'all got one month. I already got my replacement because all of my assistant managers already knew how to do GM function because I, I wasn't insecure as a leader. I taught them. I wanted to be, when I was off, I wanted to be unneeded. True story. I was the only general manager in our district that was only working 48 hours a week. Probably the company. Every other general manager working 70 and 80 hours a week. I worked 48 hours a week and was off on Sundays. And Monday night, because I had Monday night Bible study at that time. <laughs> True story. But now, the point I'm making is this. God spoke to me and said, this life is over. And you know what I decided? It's over. So I informed my wife. Hello? I said, I informed my wife. This is what God said. My wife trusted that God was leading us through me. Oh, let me teach y'all about marriage up in this place today. My wife trusted that God was leading us through me. You know what that's called? Or. I don't trust him like that. Then you shouldn't have married him. You don't marry somebody you don't trust like that. 
But if you married right, then you need to learn how to trust properly. My wife had to believe that God was leading us through me. Y'all got that? So I informed her that I'm leaving my job. God said, it's over. Now here's the point. Left my job, came into full-time ministry. One year and a half later, the entire company folded. One year and a half later, the whole company folded, went bankrupt. Now, up until that point, listen to this. The, the, the branch I was managing, we had the same, we had revenue increase every single year. We had operating profit every single year. I had the greatest bonuses. I, I was making so much money, they had to change the pay scale for managing partners. True story. Because some GM is making more money than the managing partners. But now the point I'm making is this. If you don't do what, what you should do, when you should, be, you, when you should do it, you're going to be forced to do it. Y'all got that? So, you know what I had to get over? Well, I had to, I was over, but again, helping other people to get over this. You had to get over your illusion of job security. It's an illusion. Job security is an illusion. The only thing safe is me hearing God. Oh my God, every time I'm so high, I'm so high. Help! The only thing safe is me hearing God and following the leadership of his spirit. Amen. That's the only thing that's safe. Y'all yes. yes. got that? Everything else provides an illusion of security. Y'all got that? I'm here to inform you. You love people who are unsafe. Yes. All right. But the question is, did God put you in that? And are you following his leadership while you're in that? All right. Let me move on. So we have to develop, number nine, eagerness for the new. Somebody shout, I'm eager for the new. I'm eager for the new. Now, so that means that, watch it now. When things become new, all I got to do is find out what I am to the new thing. When things become new, the only thing I need to know is what I am to the new thing. Now, you know why people don't discover that? Because they're, they're focusing on what they lost from the old thing. Instead of embracing the fact, say it with me, the old thing, the old thing is, over. is over. Now think about how people get trapped in that concept of what was. And now they're not discerning or looking for, okay, what am I to the new thing? What am I now? Y'all got that? What do, you need me to, what do you need me to be now? What am I to the new thing? Y'all got that? All right, number 11. This is so good right here. In order for us to become weatherproof on our leadership, we've got to develop the all there is is today mentality. Say it with me. All there is is today. All right, I'll come back to 10 in just a moment. We got to develop the all there is is today mentality. Y'all got that? I said it a moment ago. Yesterday is unrecoverable. There's nothing you can do to recover yesterday. Tomorrow is not promised. Y'all got that? All there is. Say it with me. All there is is today. What if today was the last day of your life to glorify God? Would you live it in fear or live it in faith? What if today was the last day on your own planet Earth you have to glorify God? Would you live it in courage or would you live it in cowardice? Oh, come on, somebody. 
What if today was the last day you had on the planet? Would you walk in love or would you walk in unforgiveness? See that? You know why many of us allow ourselves to go around bitter, unforgiveness, right? Bad disposition? Because you're living like you got tomorrow. You don't have any guarantee you got tomorrow to get this right. See that? And the problem with carrying bad emotions is that the minute a storm shows up, they exacerbate your ability to be intelligent in a storm. Y'all did not hear what I just said to you. If you carry these vagabond emotions that are unnecessary anyway to your journey with God in life, then the moment trouble shows up, they exacerbate and they confuse you and they distract you and you're the first one to sink in the midst of a storm. Why? Because you were not ready to be all there in your intelligent self. It's unintelligent and unspiritual to harbor ills, to walk around bitter, to walk around in unforgiveness, to keep score, to keep record. It's unintelligent to be anything less than what God told you to be in the situation God has divinely inserted you in. Ask somebody, what does God want you to be there? That's the only thing you'd be concerned about. So many of us concerned about what other people are being there. You don't have to answer for them. You got to answer for what God wants you to be there. And then the minute there's trouble, you don't know how to handle it. The minute there's adversity, you don't want crying all week long. The minute there's a problem, you don't have a strategy mind. Why? Because you're stuck in emotionalism that's not conducive for the crisis you're going to face. Y'all got that, believers? All right, number 10. We got to lose the fear of change. Oh, my God. Lose the fear of change. Y'all got that? You know what this looked like? I don't care where the will of God lands me. I just want to be in the will of God. You know what that looks like? Do what God said. And let the chills fall wherever they may. Y'all got that? Once you don't fear change, you can't be threatened with the prospects of it. Y'all got that, believers? All right, number 12. Lastly, we got to maintain solid. Say solid. solid. Say solid as a rock. Maintain solid spiritual and emotional practices. Solid. Spiritual and emotional practices. Y'all got that? So now watch this now. What that looks like is this. All right? I want you to think about, think about these evidences of a Christ-led, spirit-led life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, goodness, faith, self-control or temperance, right? Think about being a person full of those characteristics, right? What can't you deal with? Tell me what you could not possibly deal with if you're a person just flooded with those traits. If you're a person flooded with those characteristics, those are the evidences of a spirit-governed life is the fruit of the spirit. Y'all got that? Now, 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 I want you to think about this. So the Bible tells us 
that we are, we are supposed to allow ourselves to become developed in the fruit of the Spirit. We're supposed to flee, leave, and cast off the 17 works of the flesh. Turns out, the very thing that will cause you to be overweighted and undermined in the storm are those 17 works of the flesh. What do you mean by that? That means there's protection in the priority of bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Huh. There, say there's protection in the priority of bearing the fruit of the Spirit. When you are a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led, Spirit-governed person, you can deal with anything. 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 Y'all hear me? Anything. There's nothing you can't deal with when you're processing it from God's character, which in essence is what the fruit of the Spirit is. Y'all got that? Twelve laws of weatherproof leadership. Amen? Anybody got any comments before we move on from here?